around me? Can you see me? Hang on. I'll just type a message. Now I'm using the audio. Yes, well done. That's great. <laughs> not bad for not bad for an old lady, is it? Can you remember when you first heard about this virus? In December, longer. When it all happened in December, I've been watching China, China, China. That was December. So you and realized... they started talking about it here in England some months afterwards because at one time China was a long way away. It might not affect us, it's all contained. And what went through your head when you heard about what was happening in China? This is scary for us. That's what went through my head. How scary. Mm -hmm. And did you then think, I don't want to panic everyone else, but perhaps we should talk about it as a group? We weren't talking about it as a group, actually. For a lot of people, it wasn't here. I'm not from England, I'm from Holland. And every other country is an extension of my own. So we tend to think of other countries more as maybe part of us. When you're in Ireland, it's sort of, we're safe, we're on an island, it wouldn't touch us. So I think there was a lot of that going on in the beginning. It was very sad for these people, but hopefully it wouldn't get to us, sort of thing. So can you remember when um, you all started sort of talking about it and maybe the others started possibly thinking that we should take it seriously? Actually, and that's only weeks when they stopped the Breathe Easy and our exercise group. But actually, the Lung Foundation instructed us to stop our classes. By then, people thought, oh my goodness, we cannot meet, we cannot do this, this is serious. So literally weeks. Can you describe that moment when you all realised you were going to have to stop the classes? Yes, well, I felt very down about it. It's part of my life now. And um, also I miss the exercise, obviously, and the singing. Yeah. And meeting the people that, that are at the classes. You know, because they're like, well, over the years we've built up as being friends. Um, even though we're all different age groups. And it's always devastating, really. And I really miss it now. You know, meeting up with the people and doing the exercises and, you know, having a laugh with them. You're sweet to let me interview you after a really hard day at work. The world has changed so much, so much since we met last September. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just wondering, I mean, beyond recognition, and I'm just wondering when you got an inkling of the seriousness of what this could all mean for us. Oh, do you gosh. remember? Yes, I do. It was January. <laughs> I was actually quite scared then. I actually felt very vulnerable and um, had a few tears. And I thought, no, I've got to stay positive and strong. Otherwise, we'll all crumble. Um, my, all my family were extremely worried and um, they're still a little bit because they're quite concerned about me going back into ITU. They're not happy. But in February, I had very similar symptoms to the point where I thought this must be it. So I phoned 111. I got to put through to public health and public health said, well, it's highly unlikely because you haven't traveled at that point. They only deemed that if you traveled to China, then you would get it. And they went, no, no, but you are at risk because obviously you're a respiratory nurse. I was still working up in London at Grenville Tower. So I've been on the train and seeing lots of Asians that had traveled home because they'd gone home for New Year. Uh, and I said, I, I think I've got it. And he said, well, treat it as you have. He said, stay at home and isolate. He said, but I'm going to get one of the doctors to call you. But when I had to call them in the end, because it was three hours I'd waited, when I finally got through to them, I had a nurse and um, 
She laughed and I went, I can't believe you're laughing and not taking this seriously. She said, are you breathless? I went, no, at that point I wasn't. I just had high temperature, very flu-like, achy in bed. And I just got worse and worse. And by day five, I was on the phone to 111 again. I said, this time I have a tight chest. I can't feel my lungs properly. I said, I'm sure I have this virus. No, you can't have, she said, it's too early days yet. Um, we haven't seen anybody else reported. So I said, well, maybe they haven't reported. Maybe they don't realize either. I said, I want to be swapped, please. And she refused. It was a nightmare. Do you know to this day whether you had it or not? No, but they did say today, there was an announcement today that all the frontline nurses are going to be swapped. So I'll know then. Presumably you're not going out at all, Elmi? No, I'm a widow. I live on my own and I'm in the shielding group, so I'm not allowed to have anyone in my house. My daughter doesn't live too far away and she does shopping and drops it outside. You say you're part of the shielding group. What is the yeah. shielding group? The shielding group, if you are even more vulnerable, if your immune system doesn't work, and there's a whole list of cancers, and even more likely to catch this virus, and therefore have to isolate yourself completely from friends and family. So I can't have a walk around the block. I can't go to the shops. You have to completely, completely isolate yourself for 12 weeks. When you get that letter, that's a bit daunting. Did you ever, with all your years' experience, did you ever imagine this happening, anything like this? No, well, we, we kept being warned over the last six years that there will be a pandemic, but it was supposed to be a flu pandemic. So I thought, okay, when is this pandemic coming? And then suddenly all that kicked off, and I'm thinking, surely this isn't it, but nobody ever has seen anything like it. It keeps changing, the symptoms keep changing. And, 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 and the people that get it now are changing. And it wasn't just the, in, the, in the beginning, it was, oh, underlying conditions. So you kind of think, yeah, okay, it's probably respiratory. But now it's not. They're, they're, they're having quite healthy, fit people having presented problems in the hospital. It's quite bizarre. So no, so no, I never thought it would be this. Yes, I was expecting something because there's a lot of people who still won't take the flu vaccine but I wasn't expecting this at all. How are you feeling at the moment? How's the breathing going? Well, I suffer, the hardest thing for me is, is I suffer from depression. I have suffered from clinical depression since I was a child. So obviously it's been worse with my condition when you, can't, you do less and less and less of the things you enjoy doing. And particularly if you suffer from depression, it is... A good thing to go out and do exercise, have a walk, go to a gym or, or do things is good to lift the depression. The fact that I'm now completely housebound all the time, apart from in the garden with my dogs, I'm seeing my daughter once a week. So I am now, I'm starting it today, I have got an export an exercise bike because exercise is good for lungs, for heart, for mentally so I'm hoping that that'll help it. That sounds a great idea to me. Yeah but I noticed you're having really good chats over Facebook and it was you that set up the Facebook group wasn't it? Yeah I set that up yeah. Are you keeping the singing going at home there? I sing along to my stuff that I like but I mean. Tell me what do you like then what do you like? I'm song music man. I find music very inspirational as well. I can put a record on and I remember exactly 
what I was doing that year, what girlfriend I was with. Um, you know, it brings back nice memories. If I had a choice of throwing away my television or a radio, I'd throw away the television. Yeah, I, I'm in touch with the group because we're on a little joint page and, and I know they're moaning about staying in, but they're, while they're there, they're well and they're managing okay. She's given us a link on Facebook to another breathing group where we can do the breathing exercises with that group and a whole string of songs which we can sing with that group. Yeah, and that must feel really good because you're seeing their faces, aren't you? You're seeing each other. Absolutely. So can you describe um, that feeling of connection that you're getting through the internet? I can, I can completely because for a moment you forget you're on your own. That moment when you were singing along to that group, you have this phone in your hand or whatever you put it on, that moment you do not feel on your own, isolated in your house. That's the feeling. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's why I like the FaceTiming of my family. because, And they want it for me because I can say to them, I'm fine. You can hide a lot on the phone. If I've just had to cry, I can say to you, I'm fine, Sarah. No, I'm fine, absolutely fine. If I've just had to cry, you can see it. How are you coping kind of practically? I'm missing going out, even if it's just shopping. I always used to make sure that I went out every day. So that gave me a little bit of exercise and got me out because I live by myself. Plus, you walk around the supermarket and you, know, you, you bump into so many people that you know. <laughs> Everything should have been done much sooner. Right, because you'd have thought they'd have warned the seriously at-risk patients across the country before the rest of us. It sounds like we were all given the warning at exactly the same time. Yeah, it, it seems bizarre that, um, that they're now saying their first identified case, which I think they're meaning their first death, was the 1st of March. And they are saying anybody who had any symptoms prior to the middle of February were highly unlikely to have been that virus. Well, I dispute that because I know several people now that did have it earlier, same symptoms. So unless we had a very nasty bug going around, which I would never want again, I'm pretty sure they had it until we have that an antibody test and we're never going to know. But what on earth are you doing for food and all that sort of thing? Well, I've got friends who will get me some food. And I actually did get a food parcel from the government because that, that's one of those things that they send you. Because the first one that they delivered was at eight o'clock in the morning, which I was still in bed with my mask because I have to wear a mask at night. So, um, well, like the one that they're all crying out for at the moment, one of these uh, positive ventilation masks. So, I mean, I couldn't get out when I heard the knock at the door. So, um, it wasn't until I got ready and got downstairs. It was on the doorstep and there was a letter through there and it just said... Um, this would be a regular occurrence, probably every Thursday or Friday. It's just got essentials in it, you know. You're not yeah. getting a steak out of it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of caviar. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's disappointing. There wasn't any wine in there either. <laughs> you, you've got basically, it's 12 weeks, I think, for you, isn't it? You've got to stay at Well, home. at the moment, yeah, but you just don't know, do you? Mm. That's, that's minimum 12 weeks. You know, now they're talking about six months sometimes. But, I, but the thing is, it, it is really serious for you, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, no. I appreciate it. I mean, if, 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 if it got hold of me, that'd be it, I think. You know, that yeah. I wouldn't survive that. Do you, do you feel frightened or you sort of just, you know, well, just... Obviously, I feel frightened if I've got it. But I mean, at the moment, if I'm doing what I'm doing, then the chances of me getting it are going to be very minimal. But 
You don't know. Do you? you just don't know. It's like a war, isn't it? As they say. And yet it's an invisible enemy. See, maybe I should give some hints to other people. Every morning I have a shower. I do what I normally do. What shall I wear today? I wear different things every day. I do that for myself. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, well, I didn't know I was going to see you. So it's very nice seeing you, Sarah. But I didn't expect to see anybody. But I think going through that personal, looking after yourself, make yourself clean, putting different clothes on, that helps as well. It's so easy to say, well, I'm not going anywhere. I may as well flop around in my pajamas and my dressing gown because who cares? And that is bad for everybody. So I think that is what I just do for myself and I think it helps me. It's a great thing you've got your pets though. I think they, they must be such good companions. Oh yeah, I love them. You know, the cat and the budgies. They're, you know, they're lifesavers. They're, they're all characters. Oh, you know, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go mad if I didn't have them in there. <laughs> I can't wait till it's all over. There's going to be more need for singing groups like yours after. than ever after this, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, because I think there's an awful lot of people now with very damaged lungs and we don't know what the outcome's going to be. Because somebody asked me, is it reversible? Because they basically develop pulmonary fibrosis and pulmonary fibrosis is not reversible, it just gets worse. So I, I, I can't foresee that because I think I'm hoping that the virus hasn't attacked people that badly so that they maybe take some time to recover, but will recover. Yes. But yeah, with the others, the ones that are very serious, there have been some that have survived ITU. Um, and yeah, they've, they've actually developed other problems. So they've either got renal failure or problems with their heart that they never had before or bowel problems. So it, it was eating away at our organs. In most of our cases, it would kill us. There's no other way around it. Because of the way we are, we would be dying. And, and the other thing is not a nice thought, but to be doctors who have to decide, are we going to save this 52-year-old person who's still got a life to lead and children, or the 80-year-old who's just on the own with the dogs? Seriously, and if I was that doctor and I had to choose... I would choose the younger person. So to avoid that horrible, horrible situation for the medical profession and anybody else, they say, stay in. And my, my daughter's nothing else is saying, I know you're safe, mama. I know you're safe. My children know I'm safe. Yeah, you describe it really beautifully. Thank you. And I've just thought of one. I'm trying to think of anything that might come into you from the outside. How about the post? What do you do about the post? I don't seem to get much, but when I get to post, I, I, I have gloves, I throw away gloves, I take it out of the box, I put it on the side, sort of, I open it, dispose of the outside, and sort of I disinfect and then thoroughly wash my hands. It's a whole, it's a performance with the post, or something that comes through Amazon. You can't just open it, because there could be a virus on the box. So we have to be super, 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 super careful with everything. I'm on, oh, I'm on the most really lot. There's not that many on oxygen 24-7. And the mask at night, not many people, no, I don't know anyone else who's wearing the mask. When I came out of hospital last year and I, I had to take the mask home, I hated them. But once I got used to it, I found that I had the best night's sleep I've had for over 10 years. Oh. You know, because it does your breathing for you. So you're not panicking to breathe at night. 
and I couldn't never lie on my back, but I can lie on my back now. And um, within, I can guarantee within five minutes, I'm off. And it blows like air down your throat, like a wind tunnel. Yeah. But you put your mask, it goes over your nose and your mouth. It's quite claustrophobic when you first have it. Yeah. And um, this, this, this little machine, you turn it on and it's linked up to the concentrator so you get some oxygen into it. And it blows like um, air into your mouth at quite a large force, and um, that that goes into your lungs and that opens all your air sacs and everything. My one is used because it also blows out CO two, which is my problem. My my lungs can't exchange the oxygen into CO two properly, so the CO two stays in my body and then I'm gradually poisoning myself if I don't get it out. So that that makes that blows it out if you like. So um, that keeps my CO2 levels down too. As well. The ventilators, do they leave people with issues later on? Yes, they can do. Um, they're, they're on them for quite some time. And majority, if, if they're kind of stabilizing, they can be on them for about three weeks and then weaned off. But when you're weaning them off, they can go into a delirium state, which is actually quite scary. Uh, and that can leave some significant after effects and nightmares. Right. Oh, my goodness. You're so brave. How do you feel about you know, going back into um, intensive care? And, you know, well, it's scary. It's scary. Um, I, I've said that all along because I would rather be on one of the what we call the COVID wards. We've got three wards of people who needed to be admitted but not severe enough to go to ITU. And I felt I could manage those better and get them home because I know they're going home. Um, there's a lot of risks because they've, um, they've now got um, better PPE, but they still don't have the proper visors and they won't let us have them because they're too expensive. They're like big bubbles, like an astronaut really. Um, and that would seal everything but we haven't got that. So I'm a bit worried about that. And uh, obviously when, when, they're, um, when they're ventilated, they have to be suctioned. So you've got to be very careful that nothing's coming out at you. And, and there's a lot to it. But yeah. I asked the girls today, um, because I had heard that once you're in that, uh, in that uh, garb, that you're in it for quite a few hours. And they said it's very warm and very hot inside. But um, I said, so how long are we in it for? Because I understood that it was for their full shift and so that meant you had no break, couldn't go to the toilet, couldn't drink, couldn't eat. And they said, no, we're having breaks every four hours. So that's not so bad. And then because you've, you've had to take it off, it's classed as dirty. So you've got to put a new one on. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to leave you to have your lunch. You've got enough food. Got enough food? Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. There's, there's some funny meals. My daughter sort of delivers whatever she can get. So I've got some peppers and onions, and I've got some rice and some. So I'm a vegetarian, so it does make it a bit more difficult. So I'm going to rummage around my freezer. It's going to be an interesting little meal. <laughs> you must be able to sympathise more than anyone else with the people who are in hospital, the thousands of people in hospital who are wearing those things. Yeah, because if you're not used to them, they're not very nice things to wear. What would your advice be to those people? Well, my advice is to people is just to you just got to grin and bear it because it's doing good, even though you don't think it is. You know, so. Yeah. But what I was quite concerned about today, when, when people are ventilated, they use a, a sleeping draft called propofol. 
and it's usually two milligrams and you have to keep bolusing it as well. But apparently they have run out and that's the one that keeps people asleep. So they've got one milligrams, but they haven't got the two milligrams and then you won't be able to keep them asleep. Mm. Ironically, of course, all your patients, your lung patients will be the safest of everyone because they yeah, know they, they can't get it because if they get it, um, well, what will happen if they get it? Um, they probably wouldn't be ventilated. They'll be left on a ward to die. There's not much they can do for them. When they're that severe already, there's not much they can do for them. So uh, there's a case of, I, I was told that today as well, there's a choice and it's not a nice choice because it's not something that we're used to. We're there to help people and get them better. But there's having to be a choice as to who, is, who gets the ventilators because there's still, although we've got several new ones in, in the hospitals, so they've got lots of new equipment arrived and nobody got any training. The people were too scared to come in, so they dumped it at the door. So no training on it. So everyone's had to start learning from scratch and playing with them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good overall, really, when you kind of think you've got to make that choice still because they're coming in in their drones now. I think this is on the back of two weeks ago when everybody thought they were safe and went to the seaside and to the parks because it was warm. And to this weekend, apparently, there were still quite a few, but not quite as bad as it was last time. People were listening now. Have a nice afternoon. Go and sit in the garden again, maybe. The sun's gone in there. Oh. Okay, well, say hello to the budgery guards. Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 Yeah. And what did they say about making that choice? Um, it's very, it's a very hard call because you you kind of look at them and you think, well, we could probably do something to help you normally because they've even stopped them from allowing to to have them um, because often when they come in with their lungs their carbon dioxide has gone up so we put a mask on that blows it off and that's been stopped so they can't have that they won't be allowed that because it's, it's actually because it blows air in and out it's going to be around and it's too dangerous because the virus will be in that it will be in the moisture so it's too dangerous. They've decided not to use them at all. So anybody who's coming in with a high CO2 levels, they're not going to get it. And that means they will die anyway. It's a very strange virus. It doesn't like heat. We know that. So very hot. It's got to be very hot to kill it off. I mean, we're not hot enough here yet. Uh, but it doesn't like heat. And it, it loves it dry. So it, it, it's good to have humidity around you and moisture because it doesn't like that. Now that would kill it off. And what was happening with the ventilators, they're dry. So they, they put them on a high pressure and they're very dry. And they've now realized that that's the wrong thing to do, thank goodness, because I said that today. I said, I wouldn't have been happy knowing you were doing that. Um, and the reason is what happens, um, the lining of the lungs are very moist. And obviously we make, we make certain amounts of mucus that we don't really notice just in our saliva. But it's called surfactant and it's coating the lungs and it, it keeps them really moist and they're able to expand. And then what's happened with the virus, as it starts to attack the airway, it starts to dry everything up, but it crystallizes it so it hardens it. And one of the autopsy reports I saw was not very pleasant because it was very thick, green, but solid in the airways, completely blocking off. So you could not perfuse the lungs because the bases of the lungs were solidly blocked 
like a traffic jam it was described and so they can't perfuse so you can get air in but only shallow which is why people struggle to breathe them because if you're not perfusing at the bases of the lungs then you're, you're not um, getting the gas exchange right so yeah, it just suffocates you so it's really hard rock hard and they were quite surprised at that um, and the lungs themselves would normally be quite spongy but they have been hard like a pulmonary fibrosis lung hard and shrunk right wow yeah, so it's, it's basically what it's doing is zapping all the moisture out of it that's what it's doing and then hardening it all it, it actually i i think it actually has brought everybody together because um there's still some people that are perhaps a bit more ironic then they're not behaving very well but i think some of that might be anxiety more than anything that they feel that they can get through it that way or they think they're invincible maybe but uh, yeah the majority of people i found now no matter what walk of life you are from you realize actually you're all the same and you're all equal and joining together in strength to kind of get through it and i hope that that carries on because i think people have been brought together so well that um, we should now look on life differently and hopefully things will change <laughs>